Hello, you're listening to your favorite podcast, Not Another Sports Podcast. And before we start our episode, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the fans who've been supporting us to this time. And if you're a new fan or just now listening, uh, make sure you subscribe and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Not Another Sports Podcast and at Twitter, N underscore A underscore S underscore Podcast. Now enjoy the show. Thanks for listening to this episode. Since we care about you so much as valued listeners, we're going to warn you that we're going to put spoilers for the new Space Jam in this episode. We're going to put a timestamp in the comments so you can skip it if you want to. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. to another episode of your favorite podcast, not another sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm here with my co-hosts, Kevin and Jordan. Yeah, what's up? This is Kevin. Yeah, and this is Jordan. And, and we, we got our boy back with us, Will. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. In, yes, indeed. And we're back for another week. With that being said, we're going um, to start off with something positive. Tuesday, we're going to the Braves game and Tukey pitching. Let's go. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Shout out to black people. <laughs> um... I'm alive. Hey, it's always positive. Okay. Yep. I'll I'll also be at the game Tuesday as well. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, same. Um, I'm gonna be at the game. Um, the Braves uh, started off. We got a catcher and an outfielder in the trade deadline that helped the team a little bit. And uh, my dad would have been 58 yesterday. Yes, would have been yes, his sir. birthday. So that's positive. Yes, sir. Um, that being said, we're going to start off with the weekly week, weekly recap. Um, the finals, we only got one game this week. Um, that's kind of gay because it's so spread out, but it is what it is. Um, Devin Booker, his third 40-point game of these playoffs, his ninth 30-point game. He had um, 20 points at halftime and 18 points in the third quarter alone. Ended up with 42 overall and a loss. Yeah, it's Chris Paul's fault. It's Chris Paul's fault. He sold. He had um, untimely turnovers, and you can't have those in the finals. That's really what it came down to. Granted, I still got um, Phoenix, but, I mean, Chris Paul is looking like the Chris Paul of old, and if he want to get this ring, this is going to be his best shot. So, with that being said, how y'all feel about the finals? Um... Milwaukee showed up at home. The fan base showed out for them. They fed off. They fed off the crowd. Giannis got to the cup and just absolutely dominated. Chris Middleton showed up and dropped forty. Um, I don't feel bad for Devin Booker going out there scoring forty and nobody else showed up because literally the game before that, Giannis was going out there scoring forty and nobody on his team showed up. So it happens. Chris Paul didn't look like himself, and you got, like Brandy said, you can't afford that in the finals. I picked the Bucks to win the series because I felt like Giannis is the difference maker, and he's proven to be. And I also said if you take Aiden out the game and make him a non-factor, you have a better chance of winning this game, winning this series. And what Milwaukee has done the past two games in Milwaukee is take Aiden out the game and make it just about Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And... Is working out for them. So if they can take this back into Phoenix and win this win this game in Phoenix, this series is this series is over. I do believe they win Game Six anyway. So if Phoenix wins, 
um, game five, they go to the uh, it goes seven, which I have the Bucks winning. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like like Brandon said, Chris Paul kind of sold. Um, in game four, he was five for thirteen. He had ten point seven assists, but he had five turnovers. Um, he's doing all right in the series. He averages twenty one eight point three assists on fifty two percent, but that's not always the right. Yeah. Right, because he did have fifteen turnovers in the last mm. three games, and I think it was uh, seven turnovers total in the first three series or something like that. It was something low. So, um, yeah, it wasn't – Chris Paul got to get back to doing what he's doing. Um, he had a good first game, but ever since game two, he kind of tailed off. Um, a lot of people were saying that Drew, Mil- Drew Holiday was the reason, and I'm not saying that he isn't playing good defense, but uh, Chris Paul is still four, 14 for 18 against him, which is 78%. He has nine assists against him in 22 minutes. Um, he does have seven turnovers. You got to get that fixed up. Um, he has seven turnovers against him in 22 minutes and seven against everybody else in 99 minutes. So I feel like he has to um, fix that. But if you saw at the end of the game, it wasn't like those last two turnovers weren't forced. Those were unforced. So, I mean... I feel like those were more pressure turnovers, him trying to uh, do too much. Right. So, yeah, I figure if he can fix it, I think that'll be the um, story. Devin Booker, like Brendan said, he stepped up. He had 42. Um, He's averaging 27 and a half on uh, 46%, four assists. Um, And then Aiton, like I was saying, he's been the X Factor. He's averaging 14 points on 14 rebounds on 58% shooting. And he's playing great defense on Giannis. He's, he has 34. Giannis has 34 points against him, but he has 33 shots. And Giannis is taking nine threes against Aiton, and he's taking one against everybody else. He's 36% from the field against Aiton and 80% from the field against everybody else. Um, so if Aiton can stay out of foul trouble, which he was in game three, and then Monty Williams was kind of scared to put him on him in game four. Um, I think that that was kind of the difference. So he I also feel like. only had six points in game four, too. Right, but. Been saying this, though. He, don't, he only took like four or five shots, though. So. I think it was three and nine. If Aiden oh, yeah. is a non factor, they will not win this series. See, he doesn't have to, to be. He doesn't necessarily. Well, no, I don't feel like him not being the factor was the difference. I feel like Devin Booker being in foul trouble was more so the difference. He, he had five fouls and Monty right. Williams couldn't put him back in until halfway through the fourth. It was, it was the fifth foul that was kind of the problem, but it was the fourth foul, really, because he was cooking in the third quarter. He was seven for seven, and he had to take him out with, I believe, five or six minutes left in the third quarter, mm-hmm. and that's when um, the Bucks kind of went on their run. And then, like Brendan said, in the fourth quarter when he took him out with, like, 10 minutes left, they were up by, like, five, six, something like that. And then when he put them back in, they were up by, like, two or three. So that was really the difference in the game. Even It's not necessarily Aiton playing great on offense. It helps, but he has to play great on defense. He had 17 rebounds, so. Right. So, yeah, that that's really what I would say. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like tonight Phoenix might win. I feel like they they need to get this one, and if they don't, yeah, it's it's over with, and then we might be crowning Giannis with a uh, Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. But I think Chris Paul definitely needs to uh, step up and play the facilitator that he wants to be known as when he leaves this game. Especially with uh, how much he was talking, how great the team is. The team was only great because of the leader that they had. And without him being a leader in the late minutes where he's taking immature moments to to argue with the ref and argue calls and, and take focus from the key issue, and which was getting the W, which they didn't get. And I felt like they could have gotten um, if he was more so of a leader in the closing moments. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like as much as I've given Chris Middleton some uh, hate, I guess for back of, lack of better words, mm-hmm. on this show, I gotta give him some credit. He's um, he's definitely solidified himself as a star on this playoff run. I don't have the full uh, his full playoff numbers, but for this series, he is twenty five, seven and six, shooting forty three percent and thirty seven percent from the three. Um, in game three, he stepped up with 18, 6, and 3 on 43% from both the field and the three. In game four, he dropped 40 on 6 and 4, and um, 45% from the three, and 38% from the, I mean, 45% from the field, 38 from the three. Um, but for him to become a superstar, I feel like, well, I don't know. I feel like he doesn't have the personality per se, but to be on the court, like, he would have to do it in both back-to-back games and playoff runs because there were a lot of times he would have a big game in game in one game and then come back with a stinker. Like uh, game one, he had 29 points on 46%. Then came back game two, had 11 on 31%. Game four against Brooklyn, he had 38 on 69%. In game five, he had 23 on 35%. In game three against Atlanta, he had 38 points on 58%. And then game four, he had 16 points on 35%. So he's very up and down, which is kind of another reason why I'm kind of picking Phoenix tonight. I feel like Chris Paul going to have a bounce back game. Devin Booker going to keep it going. DeAndre Ayton going to keep up the defense. And uh, Middleton will have to play a great I have to have another good game. Plus, it's on the road. Right. So, it's not. It's a lot to the ask. The home road splits aren't as um, far apart as I thought they were. It's like 27, um, 25 points per game at home and uh, 22 on the road. But what's the percentages, though? Um, 46 at home and 40 on the road. See, it's not as drastic as it was. Mm. The last series, but it's um, yeah, it's still, starting to even out. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I I would like I said, I would want to see it again. Right. He has, History has shown that after a big game, he, he comes he back changed. and right. will stink it up. Right. So for him to now that he's shown that he can be a star and you can count on him, this is one of the games where you expect him to show up. Right. So. Usually, when you expect something from Chris Middleton, he doesn't show up, and I would like to see it tonight. Um, but other than that, I feel like it's been a good series. I've it's been better than I expected. I thought it was going to end in five. I would say um, Phoenix in seven right now. I wouldn't be surprised 
to be honest, the only outcome that would surprise me is Bucks and six. I can see Phoenix and six. I can see Phoenix and seven, which I'm picking, and I can see uh, Bucks and seven. I could. I mean, I guess I could see Phoenix. I mean, Bucks and six, but that would kind of be a shock to me. But. I mean, yeah, other than that, I feel like it was a great series. We got to showcase a lot of new stars. Um, and I guess we can't not talk about the no call. Um, I feel like it evened out. I feel like they got the basket and um, and the win. And Devin Booker didn't really do anything after that. So <laughs> it didn't really matter right. in the long run. Yeah, that was just what it felt that way. That one of him gone, bro. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Anybody got any other thoughts on the finals before we move on to the home run debut? No. That being said, I'm just saying, bro. I picked Pete Alonzo. As a um, Braves fan, we know what Pete Alonzo can do. We know that um, he's part of the, basically the Mets. Don't he back clean up for the Mets? I think so, something like that. So it wasn't really a surprise. Kind of picked the finals, so. Um, yeah, I, I, it was it was pretty good. I would have liked to have seen Vladdy Jr. in there again, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I I remember saying when we picked the teams, I had I can't remember who I had in the finals, but I remember saying, "Don't sleep on Pete Alonso. If he could get out the first round, he would um, make some noise." But yeah, he's. He's shown in both the regular season and last year in the uh, home run derby that he's a legit hitter. Um, I feel like they are... Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I feel like we got a good show. Shohei Otani did well against Juan Soto in the first round. He didn't... I don't think... I think he was down by like seven home runs with a minute left and came back to force extra time, like a swing off. And um, that was interesting. Um, Trevor Story was good for the home crowd, even though we should have been the home crowd. It was it was pretty interesting. I liked it. um, Pete Alonso also said that he's going to try to come back next year and go for three. And he said that he wanted to tease to go against him. I feel like that would Let's be Let's go. Yeah. Hopefully, well, no. Roy probably won't be healthy by then, but you know how cool it would be if Roy could make his uh, return back to the league with the um, home run derby appearance? That'd be cool. I might just vote him in. It's like... Um, I didn't finish watching the home run derby. Uh, I've watched bits and pieces of it. And for what i seen, it was pretty interesting. I like the little format they have. Um, I forgot who I said last week that I thought was going to win, so it didn't really even matter to mm-hmm. me. But it was cool. It was interesting for uh, I was on the go, so I was trying to watch it when they get um, on the Xfinity app. It was cool. Home oh, run derby. <laughs> it's cool home run derby. People love to be vibing. Anyway, since we um. Since we're on, still on All-Star break, um, the All-Star game. Shout out to Vladdy Jr., bro, on the MVP. Uh, Shohei Otani. Um, Pitt stand hit. You know, that was a big deal. Well, he went 0 for 2, but... I mean, I'm saying they made a big deal about it happening. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, no, I, nobody really, nobody I watch for anyway really impressed except Black Doom. So, shout out to him, MVP. No, really, the, it was. I mean, you only had one hit, dude. He had a home run. Vlad? Just a home run is enough for MVP? I mean, no, he had two RBIs. Okay. Um, he had a um, it was like a fielder's choice basically, and drove in a run. Yeah, um, we've been on for years the American League, and it's evident the American League has a better talent. The first one, I I can't remember who he hit it to, but it was a really nice hit. It was just a really good play. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like he was well deserving of MVP. It, I mean, plus it wasn't really anybody else you could give it to, so. Plus, um, plus the storylines. He was the third person to hit a home run with his dad. Well, not his da- with his dad, but the first father-son duo to hit a home run. Uh, Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonds did it, and Ken Griffey Jr. and Senior did it. Um, he was he hit the 200th home run in All-Star Game history, um, and he was the second youngest to hit a home run in the All-Star Game behind Johnny Bench. So. Go. Yes. And that makes him the second. Um, no, he's the youngest to win MVP. And he is the first MVP to hit two home runs after in his first game after the All-Star break. Whenever Freddie retired, we got a spot for you in Atlanta. Come on. <laughs> I'm telling you. Him and Bo. Hey, man. Um, since we're still speaking of Otani, kind of bottom up earlier. Oh, wait. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I forgot to say that Otani was, uh, won the All-Star game. So. Oh, yeah. He was the All-Star game winning pitcher. Yeah. And won in it. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, mm, crazy. Anyway, speaking of Otani, uh, your, your boy Stephen A., um, had some choice words. He basically said that um, Otani is, it hurts the league that Otani is the face of the league because he needs a translator to speak English. He doesn't necessarily need a translator. It's just in the moment, it comes across smoother with a translator. Let's clear that part up because he speaks um, pretty good English considering. But I feel like it doesn't really hurt the game. It's so many non-American players that play the game now anyway. So I, I, I don't really see where he comes from today. If he was saying that, I guess he's saying that um, for Amer- for the next generation, you're not going to really capture, I, he's not going to really capture their minds without um, having an American player. I, I guess that's what he was trying to say. It's more of like, you speaking from, this is, Baseball is looked at as America's pastime. It's looked at as an American game, an American treasure. Um, I think he's just um, a little dated, like right. a dinosaur type feel. The game is global now. Um, baseball has always been a global oh, game, but man. now that with the MLB, it's a global game with a lot of Hispanics, a lot of um, Asians, a lot of diversity in the game. So now. I guess he was coming from the perspective of America is like how are we gonna we're not it's not good for us to you know if the face of baseball is not it's not, not American what are we doing like what are we doing to capture audience what are we doing to 
um, better the game or to still, you know, be a part of it. Uh, I guess it just was said in the wrong way, in the wrong manner. Uh, but it just got, he just got to understand, most people got to understand that the game is global now. And in America, we do have to do more to bring more engagement to the game and the inner cities and uh, surrounding areas. Uh, so I can get what he's talking about, but at the end of the day, these Hispanics, these people from Asia, might just be better than Americans at baseball right now. And you just gotta call it how it is. Yeah, for for me, I felt like he was saying that it's not necessarily. I feel like he used a bad choice of words. It wasn't necessarily that he was saying that it was hurting. It was just saying that it's hard to grow the game. It's not necessarily because he's Asian that now baseball is terrible. Nobody wants to watch it. That's not how that's not I don't, that's not at least that's not what I got from it. I think he's saying it's already hard to market baseball. So having somebody who doesn't speak English is only making the problem harder. And I kind of agree, but it's not necessarily Shohei Otani's fault. It's kind of the way that baseball is. Like, when I was growing up, I never really looked at African-American, I mean, like, Hispanic players that weren't black. Like, when I saw David Ortiz, um, Pedro Martinez, Andrew Jones, those type of players, I thought of them as black. I didn't see them as Hispanic. But that's also because they spoke English. So I guess that's the difference. Like with Ozzy, I kind of see him more as black than Hispanic. But that's also because he speaks English. Um, no, no, no. Growing up, and this might come out wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, it seemed like we were taught that it was more black and white than anything. That's right. That's That was the records that were kept nobody right. ever okay. nobody ever for lack of a better word i'm not saying nobody cared but nobody cared to put them in the story right because this is this is america it's right black i feel like roberto clemente was really the only person we heard about right. um but all that being said i kind of i understand what stephen a smith is saying because when roy gives um interviews what's his name pedro uh, Pablo. Pablo Franco. What's the the translator's name? I know he doesn't. Uh, something Franco, I believe. I I don't want to be I don't want to be wrong, but the um, translator. I I know who he is, so I I mean I know I feel comfortable when he talks. It doesn't feel out of place or anything. It just it feels weird when you have Pedro Garcia. Pedro Garcia. Franco Garcia. Franco Garcia. I knew it was something with a Franco, but. Um, yeah, I feel like when he does the interviews, it's a good job, but it doesn't feel natural. Like, it feels kind of slowed down. I wish it was some way to speed it up. Maybe if um, if you kind of already wrote the questions that you knew you were going to ask and they read them, that way you could, like, he could ask the question in English and then... Roy could answer the question in Spanish and then the translator could just translate that would cut down the step um if you and then for me my attention span is shorter so when I see 
Like when they ask the question, by the time Franco reads the question, I mean reads the, I mean recites the answer back, I forgot what the question was. So like they could put like the question at the bottom. That would also help. But other than that, I don't have a problem with it. I don't feel like oh Roy's talking again. Let me turn off the TV. I don't care what he's talking about. No, I I mean I feel like I still get something out of his interviews. Like, I still feel like what he said is important. I still feel like I learned something from him talking. But it just, it does feel like kind of a disconnect when Roy is talking or when Ozzy is talking. I feel like another way that could help is having Ozzy be the translator. That would help. It would, like, make it feel a little bit more natural. I get that. And I I don't want to take a job from him, but I'm just saying that would just kind of make it feel more natural. And I just want to say before we switch topics in this topic, um, for anybody, for the old heads who holding on to this is America um, treasure, this is America pastime, um, it's 21st century. My and if you feel like Stephen A, because a lot of people interpreted Stephen A words a different way, and I know it's some type of, and I know it's, um, I can't say the bad word, but I know there's a lot of blank people in this world who will sit there and probably feel that way in the negative concept. But if you want to be better, go out there and work, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't want the face of baseball to be a Japanese player or a Brazilian player or anything, then you need to go ahead out there and do what you got to do to prevent that. Okay, ain't nobody stopping you. He didn't. He had the same opportunities you had. Well, whatever. He had the same twenty-four <laughs> hours in the day that you had. He worked Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. No cap. He worked just as hard as you could have, but you decided to, not to. You wanted to sit here, listen to the podcast, and you could have been out there in the batting cage listening to the podcast. <laughs> hey, man. You could put us on the speaker while you hitting, yeah. but you didn't. That's all I'm saying. Could have been so different. Hmm. We're finna take a break, but before we leave, we got, I mean, when we come back, we're talking USA Basketball and Dame Dog. Yes, sir. Hello, this is Jordan. You're listening to Not Another Sports Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Not Another Sports Podcast. And on Twitter at N underscore A underscore S underscore podcast. Thank you for your support and back to our show. Welcome back. Like I said before the break, this is our Genius NBS segment. So we're going to talk about um, Kelvin Johnson and JaVale McGee replacing Bradley Beal and Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love too old to be on the USA team. I'm just saying, man. He didn't been on the last couple. That's all I'm saying. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it's uh, especially Javale McGee. I feel like it's a good move because a lot of the teams they're playing are bigger than them. Like this is the NBA basketball. It's uh, FIBA. Jumping into players to get the foul doesn't work. They don't call it. Um, but yeah, they gotta do something. Cause yeah, I feel like Kelvin Johnson is a pretty good move. Cause Pop is the head coach and he played for him, so I'm pretty sure he knows how he played. And yeah, how y'all feel about these these moves? 
Um, all in all, I guess it was cool. But um, all things considered, I feel like they it probably would have been a little bit better to get um, Jared Allen. Yes, that's what it was that I said. I feel like Jared Allen would have been a little bit of a better fit than um, what's his name, Keldon Johnson. Yes, I felt like he adds a little bit more defense. Um, we don't really need offense. I feel like JaVale McGee was a good addition. Um, before these were suggested, I was going to ask if y'all wanted to have Trey Young or uh, John Morant. I would have said John Morant just because I feel like he's a little bit of a better facilitator. But I'm cool with them not going with guards. Right, another guard because we do have Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, and um, Chris Middleton coming in. <laughs> So we don't need another guard. Right. Um, I feel like I feel like the Johnson pick was a good pickup, um, but the other one was just misleading. Javale McGee. Yeah. Um, I don't get. I guess they needed. They definitely do need another big man, but it's just like they run tryouts or was it just? I don't know. I feel like they really do need a point guard, a serious point guard. Maybe Kyle Lowry was somebody that I would have wanted to see. Maybe John Morant would have been a nice appearance. Um, yeah, I feel like jo- uh, Kyle Lowry could have done a good job setting the offense. He's not somebody that looks for his shot first. He's looking to pass first. Um, he has FIBA experience, so he's not going to be learning the game on the fly. And he's a veteran, so that would help. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I heard somewhere that he opted out. I don't think you need a guard. Um, it would have been nice to see Ja Trey get on the team, but at this point in time, you see what they need. They they need size. And from word on the street is Kelton Johnson was already part of the USA team development squad. Obviously, Greg is his coach, so he sees him during the season and during the offseason, I guess, with USA. And it wasn't just Greg who just – was in on this decision. It was. It seems like a lot of people was um, pushing for him to be on the team, and I think he brings size and physicality. They need a rebounder, and Javale McKee fits the role. Another center they could put in that can get minutes at, um, for for Bam. Um, he don't need the score. He don't need to do nothing but go out there and block shots and play defense and get rebounds. And Javale McGee is a three-time champion. Um, he has USA experience as well. So, um, I think it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Um, I would have liked Christian Woods, but I think you go bigger with JaVale McGee. Now you have um, Bam, JaVale McGee, and um, Kelda Johnson in the back. It's looking nice now. You got playmakers, Drew Holiday, Devin Booker. Um, Chris Middleton is on their way after the final, so you don't need another point guard. You have more than enough scoring. You just needed to add some size and some grit. Mm, yeah. At the end of the day, I don't feel like it was a bad pick. I just probably would have taken um, Jared Allen. I feel like he adds a little bit more. Hey, man. Um, yeah. Dame is requesting a trade. I think it's genius. Cause, I mean, we've been saying for forever that he's not going to win a um, championship in... Uh, Portland. I want him to come to the Lakers. So. 
What was the list of teams that were requested? I mean, he didn't officially request a trade, and there were no official lists. But there was a right. There was a report that said that he will ask for a trade in a couple of days, and then on Twitter, there was a tweet that said that the teams, not by the same person, but there was a list of teams on Twitter that said that um, it was the Lakers, the Knicks, the Warriors, and the. Who? The Lakers, the Knicks, the Warriors, and who else? The Heat. The Heat. Yes, sir! He's still coming to the Lakers. I think he's in If he's in the Heat uniform, it's great. If he's playing with the Lakers and LeBron, it's great. If he's playing with my boy Steph Curry, it's great. Those are the only three teams I see him. Um, well, one, I don't see him asking for a trade. I've He literally just said, I think it was Tuesday, that he doesn't want to leave Portland and that he... Um, wants to retire there but I could see the door opening because when he was asked about it yesterday after the report was made he basically said that he hasn't made his decision yet so I mean I could see him asking for one to me it seems like he just wants to ask for a trade but he doesn't want to be seen as the bad guy and that to that I would say just go ahead and rip the band-aid off if they the people that love you are going to love you. The people that hate you are going to hate you. So, it's nothing you can do to gain more fans or lose more fans at this point. Um, I feel like um, of the teams that are realistic, one, I don't see um, Portland trading him to a Western Conference team unless he specifically says... I want to go to the Warriors or I want to go to the Lakers. And I just don't see that from Dane. Um, but anything's possible. Um, I feel like the Warriors can send back the best trade package with Wiggins, um, Wiseman, draft picks, all that. But like I said, I don't see them sending them to the West. So of the Eastern teams, I could see, I could see Philadelphia sending back the best trade with Matisse Thibel, Ben Simmons, and maybe a Tyrese Maxey or a Seth Curry or somebody. Um, the Heat could also send a good uh, trade package, but we don't have as much cap space. Um, but I just don't feel like the Lakers are a realistic option. I just don't feel like they have one. I don't feel like they have the trade package that um Portland would be looking for unless he said unless Dame specifically said that I would only go there and with four years on his deal I don't think you can play that type of power move but I mean you know it's the league anything can happen but I also don't feel like they have the cap space to fit him in and make a feasible trade without trading literally everybody so that's those are my reasons. If I had to rank the realistic teams of him getting traded to, I would say Philly one, Golden State, and Miami one. I mean two, A two B, whatever order you want to put them in. I guess I would put Miami two A and then Golden State two B, and then I would say, mm, I can't think of a fourth team, but I just don't see the Lakers. Um, 
I think Dane will play with Portland this year, and I think this is the last year if they don't advance past the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think Dame is trying to stay in Portland and try to give them the benefit of the doubt and want to see how it works. And he's just letting them know, like, look, you on the clock. Like, if, if this is not going to change, if this roster is still going to be the same, if we're not going to execute and get to the finals, then I'm going to be out of here. So I, I think he's just holding off. And I don't think he wants the media to be the one to say, yeah, Damian Lillard has requested a trade. I think he really want to be a stand-up guy and inform everybody himself before it gets to the media. So I can't not do nothing but respect that. Um, but the teams that were mentioned to be interested in Dane makes a lot of sense for, for him and for them to want to um, be um, inquiring about Dane. I think he best fits being in Golden State or um, in Philadelphia, playing with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid needs someone who can space the floor and give him more room to work with. And him and Dan would be a beautiful combo. And I think Doc Rivers would be able to actually do something with that other than Ben Simmons. Unless Ben Simmons finds a way to get to Portland and can join Damian Lillard, CJ McCullum, and Ben Simmons and Carmelo. If you have, if you add Ben Simmons to this team right now in Portland, I think you can talk about maybe them getting into the finals because now they have something to work with. They got a playmaker who can do everything but shoot. And at that point, he don't need to shoot. So in Portland, if you really want to keep Dame, get Ben Simmons to Portland. But if you want to ship him, send him to um, Philadelphia and get Ben Simmons because I believe that will work. And him, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and if you can keep Wiseman and just somehow send Wiggins off and um, package some picks, and you can have that starting five, and you know the Warriors are good at getting talent on the bench. Uh, you can add some pieces on the bench. That's a nasty line of Golden State working with, and that's at least another two chips right there for Golden State. Um, the Lakers can package um, THT, uh, Montrez Harrell, and uh, Kyle Kuzma and a couple of picks, and send it. Yeah, send them to Portland <laughs> and get Dang. I believe you'd be handicapping your squad though because you just have him, AD, and LeBron. And back in the day, I would say that's enough, but LeBron is not. 27 anymore and plus AD is fragile so you basically send the Damian Lillard to you know nothing because they ain't gonna have a roster after those three unless you know Rob Lincoln them is up to something over there uh, I also feel like Miami would probably be the what third best des- destination for him we can get rid of Duncan and Tyler Hero a couple of picks and bring him in with Jimmy Bam Adebayo and we still have a lot more to work with I don't even know what Pat Riley have up his sleeve right now. So, you come to the Heat, you already know we destined to win. So, um, One, I feel like I just, of those, of the teams that were on Twitter, I don't feel like the Knicks make sense to me. I feel like at best, that's a, yeah, but I mean, I get that. But I'm talking about from Dame's perspective. I, it doesn't make sense. Because at best it's a lateral move, and I don't see it being even a lateral move. Well, he's going to the East, bro. So. I get that, but I don't see their team being better. Not being Brooklyn, I can I can I see them Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't see, see that. I don't see them. I see them being second round at best. Ooh. The um, the Knicks if they add Dan. Yeah, because I mean I can see that because you got to think about Julius Randle. It took him seven years to get here. You think he's going to? 
really he was in bad situations. Okay, that's, that's but, but yeah, like Carson always been good though. Yeah, but yeah, um, I don't think that the Knicks would be good. Um, I feel like if he goes to the Sixers, they would still have to find another piece because if you giving up Tyrese, I mean, if you giving up all those pieces, you are gonna still need somebody who can defend next to the Dame. Because I don't trust Tobias Harris being that defender, and you really just have Joel Embiid in the um, at the center. I don't think that one person can hold up your defense. Um, and I just don't get how everybody else get to keep all they five players, but we got to give up both Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. the The Warriors get to keep everybody, only give up Wiseman. The um, the Sixers, they can. You talking about um, the Portland somehow keeping CJ and Dame and getting um, Ben Simmons? What world are you living in? Is this two K? Like, how, how do you think trades work? I didn't say it was gonna happen. I said if they can manage. I, I, I mean, but how? Like, somehow. I mean, but how? Like, how does that make sense in your mind? I said if somehow. I didn't say. It. I'm I'm asking how. Like, throw out a trade scenario. Like, what players would you give up if you were uh, Philly that you would give up Ben Simmons without getting at least CJ back? I'm not just asking. Unless you make it a three way team, it's way it's a three way deal. But I think you probably still have to come up off CJ because I don't think they have. Much after Nurkic. But yeah, I don't. Nurkic. I don't know. All things considered, I feel like even if he does leave, it's only just going to accelerate the clock of you have to win a championship. Like right now, there's there's a few people that are saying that, but if you go to another team, you're looked at as the savior of the team. So as long as you're ready for that pressure, just go ahead, buddy. I'm not saying you're not built for it. I'm just saying just let, just as long as you know. I. I think at this point, I think he's ready for anything. Hey, man. As long as he knows. It's dang time. Yeah, I think it was James for him to put that out there, though, or for that information to get out, um, even if he was not the person or the reason for it to be out. Um, it just it creates a lot of turmoil. Um, and seeing that he's 31, clearly at this point in time, he wants to win. He's received as much money as... He's possibly imagined he could ever receive. Now he just wants to win. And with that, he'll start to be able to see what teams pop up in the media that have interest in him. So even if he didn't put that information out there, he's opened up a window for him to even look at possible destinations or possible trade outcomes for him. Um, And I just think it was a genius all around. Um, And definitely the way for him to play hey, I didn't put this information out there, that's false. Um, that saves his behind for if he wants to actually stay in Portland um, because now it doesn't show the fans that he was wanting to jump ship or anything. So I just think it was great for him. Do I think he'll leave? I think he will. Um, I just feel like L.A. You think he'll leave before the season? Or you think yeah. he'll leave? Yeah. I think he'll leave before the season because you've seen LeBron um, or any team franchise LeBron's been a part of willing to take on that player's contract if LeBron wants them that bad. Um, 
and LeBron has expressed numerous times that he wants Damian Lillard that bad to be his point guard. That's like his dream point guard. Um, so I think it'll be something that'll be done, especially after this Space Jam thing goes over, um, hey, the man. finals rolls over. If if um, Dame can find a way to get to the Lakers, Kevin won't have to pay me his bet for the um, Yankees losing the World Series. How about that? Hmm. I just don't see it. I mean, I really think it's possible, though. I didn't say it wasn't possible. I just said I just don't see it. I, I, I would like to see it, but I just, I, would. I just don't think they have enough Because I feel like Melo is going to be in that deal. Carmelo, yes. Carmelo Anthony is going to be in that deal. We want Melo. Yeah. Yeah, but... Nobody touching that team. Nah. We, um, we're going to take a break, but before... Well, when we come back, we're going to do our all-new fight back segment. We've done it a couple times, but we're going to talk about Chris Paul and... Switch gears to football, Ed Reed. Hey, what's going on? Can't get enough of Not Another Sports Podcast? Well, you can follow us on social media at Not Another Sports Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and N underscore A underscore S underscore podcast on Twitter. And keep up with everything Not Another Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all's support and y'all make sure y'all subscribe. And back to the show. Welcome back. Like I said before the break, we're going to our fight bike segment. This is a segment where somebody has a topic to defend and everybody else tells them why their take is trash. So <laughs> with that being said, our first, um, our first topic is going to be whether or not Chris Paul is top five. Yes, sir. But before I start the segment, like before my time starts, we got three minutes to, got, to give our case. Um... I wanted to say, I personally don't do a top five. I really stop at top three. If it was going like position by position, I feel like top five is a little bit too deep. I don't really care that much. But for the sake of this argument, I'm willing to to do it. Because in the current narrative is that if Chris Paul wins this ring, he'll be top five. And I feel like even with this ring, he wouldn't be top five. (laughs) So that's that's. Basically, where this argument came from. And man, if Chris Paul sell, he definitely ain't top five at all. Never. I would, and I again, that's kind of why I feel like, like you gotta have that that narrative. Like, if you're gonna be top five, if you win, where where do you do you go down if you lose? Like, how far are we jumping? <laughs> but yeah, okay, I'm ready. Um. To start it off, I'm going to list Chris Paul's um, stats. He was he had zero rings. He was four times assist champ. He had averages 9.4 assists, 8.3 assists in the playoffs, and 11.6 assists was his highest for a season in 2008. Um, for we didn't want to I didn't want to waste time uh, listing off Magic and Steph. We all agree that they're in the top five. Um, where we kind of got some debate, some pushback was Isaiah, Oscar, Stockman, Kid, the rest. So, um, with Isaiah, he has two more rings. He has a finals MVP. He averaged nine assists in the playoffs, which was more. He averaged 14 assists, um, in the 1985 season, which was more than Chris Paul ever averaged in a season. And he beat Magic, Larry, and Jordan in their prime. 
Oscar Robertson had one ring, had five more uh, first-team All-NBAs. He had two more uh, assist titles. He averaged nine assists in the playoffs, which was more than um, Chris Paul averaged. And he averaged a triple-double for a season. And he um, averaged a triple-double in that playoffs. Um, John Stockton, he um, had five more assist titles. He um, averaged one more assist per game than Chris Paul did. Um, he averaged 10 assists in the playoffs. And he averaged 14 and a half assists in 1990 and 15 in that playoffs. Um, he lo- he lost to Jordan twice. Okay. Yeah. Hey man, I can't. At this point right now, I can't say Chris Paul is top five because he has no rings and he has a history of selling in the playoffs, bro. Like it's really like I love Chris Paul. He's a great leader, great facilitator, all that. But it's really hard to put him up there with. With his playoff number. It's, I mean, that's really where it counts. Yes, basketball is more than just playoffs, but, and it's a big picture, but at the end of the day, in crunch time, he has a history of selling. So, I mean, if he was to get two rings before he retires, who knows? But right now, at this moment, today, at the time of recording, nah, he's not top five. Hey. Nobody said that to you the whole time. Well, um, I believe Chris Paul is top five regardless. Um, if he loses this finals, depending on how he go out, it could probably make his legacy a little bit, you know, tainted a little bit. But I have Magic, you know, Steph, Isaiah, and Oscar as my four, my first four, and I really have um, Chris Paul, number five. I feel like he... Um, is one of the best pure point guards we ever seen in this game. Um, I think he's one of the best leaders we had in this game. In every seat, in every team he has went to, they have became better than what they were without him. And every team he left had a negative impact after it, like like the LeBron effect. Um, I don't think Stockton uh, is better than Chris Paul. I think Stockton has failed on higher occasions than Chris Paul. Lost, losing two finals, um, and actually being in better predicaments than Chris Paul ever were, ever was, and it's better, you know, numbers infatuate when you're playing with the postman, with the mailman. Um, I don't think Jason Kidd uh, was a better point guard um, than Chris Paul. He didn't be- develop a jumper until um, hit all his athleticism disappeared, and he was almost out of the league. So. Um, I appreciate Chris Paul for what he is and what he has been um, as a model point guard, a true point guard for the last 13, 14 years. Um, but I wouldn't put him top five yet um, unless he wins significantly. Um, and I think that that's way out of everybody's radar. Um, I think for right now he's just he's just trying to get something for respect amongst um, the greats. Um, I would have clearly Magic Steph. Um, I'm not. I haven't been the biggest 
supporter of Isaiah Thomas. I haven't really seen much. I've heard a lot. Um, but I don't know. I just I just can't I can't put him there. I could put maybe Steve Nash, um, Tony Parker, throwing a few out there. Um, maybe a favorite could be uh, Hardaway. But I don't know. I just don't see Chris Paul have done enough to uh, be in somebody's top five. The Tony Parker one is actually a good one. I didn't think about Tony. Um, yeah. To Kevin's point, I feel like Jason Kidd has the least to um, hang his hat on as better than Chris Paul. With a ring, they would be tied in uh, the ring department. Jason Kidd has one more first-team All-NBA and, of, and one more assist title, but that's pretty much it. Um, his numbers aren't better. So, I mean, if you want to argue that, I, I don't care. Like I said, I'm not going past three. So. My biggest one is also IT. played on better teams. I see. That's that's true, but I mean, you can say that for a lot of people for a lot of different things. So that doesn't really matter. But if it comes into play when you, I mean, yeah, but yeah, you, you had again, you had to make that argument for everybody. Nobody feels like sitting down doing that all day. <laughs> um, I, I, I was talking about IT because, like you said, he beat Jordan and everybody. Yeah. Oh, Jordan Gold, he said, yeah. yeah. So and um with Stockton, he's like literally the all time assist leader. Like that's kinda hard to dispute. Like by a large mark. Yeah, it's I don't think anybody's coming close to that. Um, up next we got um one of my favorite topics, football. Is Ed, Ed Reed better than Troy Palomano? Um Kevin says yes. I say no because um, one, Troy Palomalo did it on, um, and granted it's splitting hairs because they both neck and neck. They're like one and one and one eight. So uh, with that being said, I say Palomalo because I feel like, especially back then, that was early in Big Ben's career. He um, his Super Bowl was built off defense. They won that whole um, Super Bowl off defense. So. With that being said, um, Troy Palomalu was the leader of that team, and he made name he put a, he made a name for um, Samoa. <laughs> Shout out to Troy Palomalu. How you feel, Kevin? Um, I don't think he was the leader of that team. I think Hines Ward, Jerome Bettis was the leader of those teams. The defense. Uh, the defense. <laughs> the defense was um, that was a defensive heavy team. Yeah, but Jerome Bettis. Was probably the leader if you want to get technical, you know. Cat like cat, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm going with Airy, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a Ravens fan. Because I personally enjoy growing up watching Pittsburgh versus the Ravens and anticipating Troy Palomalu and Airy to go out there and dominate on their perspective ends on the field. Um, I have. Um, uh, Air Reed stats up. Uh, I believe the people defending Troy Palomalu will have his stats up. Um, for Air Reed, Air Reed has career rise in 13 years, 64 interceptions, uh, 1,590 yards um, as a punt returner, uh, 13 forced fumbles. 
534 solo tackles, 646 solo tackles, 34 tackles for loss, and one saved. And that's just the numbers. But that's not getting into um, just physically watching him dominate the game. You come across the middle, he hitting you, he can cover you, he's picking the ball off, he's scoring interceptions, he's running them back, he put him out on punt return, he's taking them back. Avery was just a very versatile and explosive and dynamic free safety. Uh, Trey Palomalu could get over the line and hit you, and he could come back and catch a couple of interceptions. I just don't think he was very uh, versatile as Ed Reed, and I don't think he was as athletic. And Troy Polamalu has two Super Bowls. Ed Reed finished with one, I believe. He wasn't there when they won that first one. Um, yeah, he, so. yeah, he won one his last year. Yeah. So, that's the only nod that Troy Polamalu has over him is the Super Bowl rings. Yeah. How you feel, Joey? Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really think of these two players as rivals until this question was brought up i know that during their run they were kind of discussed but i never really got into that because they don't play the same position um troy palomalu was more of the right he was more of the cover type safety and ed reed was more of the you got it backwards well i mean I mean, Air Reed could lock down the the middle of the field, but when I thought of Air Reed, I was thinking more of the come down the hill and knock you out type of safety. I wasn't really thinking of Troy Palomalu as the come knock you out type. That's, that's, that's actually what you know that's, that's Troy Palomalu. I mean, Air Reed is a ball hawk, but he right. will hit you. That's why, right. I, in totality, we talking about safeties yeah. overall. That position, I say, I, I say Air um, Reed because he can do it all. If we, yeah, if we were, if they were on the same team. Ed Reed would probably be the free and Troy Palomalu would be the strong just because of the way they played. Troy Palomalu was more of a run stopper than so much a cover corner. And back then, that's what the NFL was, run defense. So, Yeah, I mean, I get that that's what he did, but for me, when I whenever I saw Troy Palomalu, it was always a pick or a pick six. I, I mean, always he saw still him. could cover. He yeah, was a safety. He was a DB. That's, that's I mean, I get that. That's what I'm saying. I When I saw them... I saw them as the reverse. I saw Troy Palomalu locking people up. I saw, I know Ed Reed was good at covering the deep, but I never saw him like in the trenches, like locking anybody up. I always saw Troy Palomalu. He was like an early Minka. He was locking everybody up on the, the, um, he could lock you up deep. He could lock you up in the slot and he would come knock you out. Um, I never really saw Troy Palomalu. I mean, I never really saw Ed Reed in outside of the deep locking anybody up unless he was knocking somebody out. So that's why for me I felt like Troy Palomalu was better. But I mean I I feel like they're both good at what they did. They were great players, yeah, both Hall of Fame. Ray Lewis in the middle. So some yeah. of that some of that stuff he didn't have to do. That's, <laughs> that's true. Um, didn't they play together at Miami? Who? Ray Lewis and Harry? Uh-huh. Uh I think Ray Lewis is a couple years, three years ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they were, yeah, so they, they were both like on the, that national yeah. championship mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. They actually were. Yeah. Um. Ah. But we got a new segment coming up before um, 
after the break. It's called Ozzy the Chipper, and I'll explain it when we get back. Just a heads up, we do have spoilers in this episode about the upcoming movie release, Space Jam. If you're like me and haven't seen the movie yet, we do have timestamps placed below. Welcome back. We're gonna start. This is our all new segment called Ozzy the Chipper, where Shout out to the Braves, first of all. Where we rate a topic 1 through 10, and we pick a player with the coinciding number. So, if, for example, 2 would be Derek Jeter, um, and so on and so forth. 5 would be Freddie Freeman. Y'all get the point. Um, Giannis is blocked in game 4 with 122 left, up by 2. Um, I rated about a, a Julio in college, 8. Um, one, only because it wasn't a... Um, uh, it wasn't in a closeout game. They still got more basketball to play. If the Suns go on and win this series, nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it was a clutch play at the time that it happened, but um, it wasn't. It's not as significant as the LeBron blocker set, for example. But how y'all feel about it? I give it a Kobe 8. Mm-hmm. Um, great block, great anticipation, great um, awareness coming over and um, getting up there and not being afraid of the moment. Um, he, it's a great block. It saved their season because if they would have got lost that game and went down 3-1 or what 3-2, I don't think it would have been any coming back from it. So, But it wasn't no game seven. It wasn't to win the series. There's a lot of basketball left, and who knows, Phoenix can still win the series, and that block means absolutely nothing. Now. It's just a highlight. Um, so, Kobe 8. Um, yeah. I will give it a Javi Lopez point college <laughs> Reggie Bush. And that's a 8.5. Um, I got to take five points off off the rip. It was a foul, bro. Like, I don't feel like in the magnitude, those type of games, the time of the score, all that, yada, yada, yada. I don't feel like it should have been called. But if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's a foul in the fourth quarter. And it was a foul. So I got to take five points off for that. Um, but I feel like you gotta give him three points because he was it was a nice play. He turned his hips, he got his he uh forced Devin Booker to pick up the ball, turned his hips, got back and uh made the the play and then he it was instinctive and he met him at the high point. And then I give him a half a point for jumping off the knee that was hurt. Um he was literally thought he was gonna be with a torn ACL like a week and I, well, at that point it would have been like a week and a half two weeks at that point um, so yeah I feel like you gotta give him a little bit of credit for that not too much but just a little bit um I give it a, a Dansby 7 <laughs> it's, it's nothing spectacular it's a block I mean it's a great play but it's, that's what it is. It's a block. It's a pretty good block. Um, it wasn't even as big as I don't know if you guys remember Bam's block last year yeah. on Jason yeah. Tatum with one finger. Yeah. Yes, of course we remember. So um, it was a it was a great play, but it's not something that will probably go down in history. I mean, 
I don't want to say all that. If they win the series, it's definitely going down in history. Yeah. Especially with the fact that it's Giannis. Do we... Do we feel it deserves to go down in history? That's a different story. Well, you imagine watching it play. That's a different story. We talking about, you said will it. We talking about will it and does it deserve to. It depends on if they win the series. Right. Correct. Yeah. Our next topic is the Jack Peterson trade. I say uh, um, Drew Brees 9 because it answers a lot of questions. What we going to do at left field, even if we decide to bring those back, which I highly doubt. Um, it, we have um, an outfielder, so this isn't even, in my opinion, is a little bit for this year. We can still make a run at the playoffs, and it's for next year when we have our whole team healthy. So I'm going Drew Brees nine. How y'all feel about it? Um, I think it's cool. I feel like it's um, Michael Vick seven. Um, I don't feel like he's gonna solidify our I don't feel like he's gonna lock down our um, outfield we don't have no more moves to make but I feel like if we sign him to an extension maybe two a year or two um, have people come back healthy uh, Roy come back next year we have uh, Pache come back healthy um, maybe we bring up Drew Waters see where he fits in the rotation um I mean, like I was telling you off of um, off cam, I mean off air. Um, I don't think Jack Peterson is necessarily a needle mover, but he's a good bat in a um, strong lineup. Right, and a good left hand bat in a strong lineup. Right, um, and I feel like it would be really great if we could get it with the um, uh, universal DH coming along with it. I I like the trade. Um, I'll go with the I'll go with Chipper. Um, a Chipper ten. Um, it gives us a lot of security. Um, out there in the outfield. So even if we didn't know what we wanted to do or what Pache would turn into, or if we weren't sure of if Ozuna's coming back, we have security. Um, and I think that's the best thing for us at this point. Especially with us bringing in somebody who plays the position well and is actually playing pretty good baseball right now. Um, so I feel like it'll help us, give us a little confidence boost with the with Roy being down, um, and it'll make it'll give Roy a lot more to look forward to when he comes back. Um, it just it just makes a, it just makes the mood and the vibe in Atlanta a little bit more exciting and a little bit more uh, worthwhile for this season. Yeah, um, mine is a seven right now, but that just gives it room for growth. It, I felt like that was it's above average, um, but there's it gives you room to improve. Like once we get our players back and we see who we got where, that'll give us a good um, sense of what we got. So, gotta look. We'll see then. Got any thoughts, Kevin? I'm not a Braves fan. <laughs> All right. Well, our last topic in this here is Ozzy the Chipper segment. Um, the Space Jam movie. I had to go Matt Schaub 8. Um, I like the fact that it was his own movie. If you didn't know, the really, I feel like the only reason they called it Space Jam is because they took 
the best NBA player at the time in uh, a basketball movie with the Looney Tunes. It's, it's the same premise, but it's a totally different story. Like, I feel like they had um, a couple shots that were funny. Like, um, when they were talking about how LeBron's career is still yet to be determined. And um, a- another different thing that people say that uh, will be remembered in this era when this movie is watched later on down the line. So, yeah, I like I liked it. I don't feel like it, um, it takes any, anything away from the first one. I feel like it's just the own separate movie. It just has to be called Space Jam. It's a part of the Space Jam legacy. So, how y'all feel about the Space Jam movie? I give it a Mac Jones 10. Yeah. Nah, playing. Uh, what's up? I give it a Drew Brees 9. Um, the only thing that I miss in this movie is the fact that I wish the Gold Squad was a little bit more interactive. I wish Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Diana Taurasi, uh, Adekam um, Agumake. <laughs> I don't. I was. Hey, you asking, were close. I was. Actually. I was asking him which which Agumake sister it it's was. The older one, not the one that's on ESPN. It's the one that's still playing. Onyeka. Yeah. Onyeka yeah, Agumake. Um, and who else? Allegedly Draymond Green. I don't. But. I, I would like to see them have a little bit more roles, you know, have more lines in the movie. Anthony Davis, I'm sorry. Also, shout out to Asia Wilson. She was in there somewhere. Shout I don't out. know where, but she was in there. That's the only thing I would say about the movie. I wish they had more roles and more scenes. Like in the first one, when they had the scenes where they was in the uh, going to the therapist and stuff like that, you know, I like that. Um, that was the only thing that was missing for me. But overall, I think the message was better than the first one. I think that obviously we're in 2021, so the graphics and the details would be, you know, better. Um, it did have his corny jokes. Don Cheeto, whoever wrote some of his lines, uh, you they kind of half, half did it on some of them, you could tell, because some of them was just a little bit too corny. <laughs> but overall, the Looney Tunes, you can't go wrong with them. They're going to be funny regardless. LeBron played his role. And everybody else played their role. I think it was very interesting to watch. I, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with a Romo um, 9. I feel like it was really good. I like how in the age of reboots and sequels and spinoffs and all that other stuff, this movie decided it wanted to be its own movie, and I can appreciate that. Um, the only thing I kind of didn't like was that they named it Space Jam. I feel like if if they would have named it something different, they kind of would have kept some of the backlash that they got from. They probably wouldn't have got as much backlash as they did. I think a lot of people f- went in expecting it to be another Space Jam, even though they went out of their way saying it's not another Space Jam. Even in the We're movie, not- was trying to. Right, we're not. We're it's a father and his son. It's not a basketball player. We're we're not talking about Space Jam. Um, it's kind of hard not like it's it's hard not thinking that when you hit see the name of the movie is Space Jam: A New Legacy. Like it's hard not to do that. Um, but they do a good job of telling a new story. It's original and fresh. Um, they do. Um, Obviously, if you're going to name it Space Jam, you have to reference the original movie. Mm -hmm. So they do a good job of um, talking about it. Um, So I felt like it was 
I feel like I would. I, I mean, I've seen it twice. Well, I've seen it once, one and a half times. But I've seen it. I would definitely recommend anybody to see it if you're on the fence of seeing it. It's well worth the um, two hours. Um, the only, I guess, another thing I didn't really like was the fact that it wasn't really. I didn't feel like the. I don't know how to explain it because I was trying to explain it to Kevin, and I, I guess I didn't do a good job. But the way that they got their powers, like the way that he scanned the um, the way he scanned the players into the game, it kind of looked a little low budget. Like, you know how in Space Jam, they were in the playoffs and they were having a real game in Madison Square Garden. Like they put a lot of effort into that. And like Brendan said, they they just got like the cheapest high school or college. Like it kind of looked, it didn't look as professional as the rest of the movie was. I kind of expected a little bit better for that scene. But other than that, it was like a really good movie. But that's kind of nitpicky. Nah, but I could definitely <laughs> see where you're coming from with that though. I could definitely understand because in the first Space Jam, they did do the most. They was planning the games and they was going, you know, dressing up in, you know, human clothes. Right. Trying like, in even down to the way that he got it from Charles Barkley, like, that was kind of memorable. Yeah. Like, the way he was shaking and stuff. And I guess that goes with me saying that I wanted the Goon Squad a little bit more involved. Yeah. Like, with the, like, like you said, with the therapist, um, the Muggsy Bogues, there was no, I felt like, one of the things that added charm to Space Jam was the fact that there was, even though there were the goons, like the Monstars, there were also other players in the league. Like, you saw the the Lakers in one scene. I think you saw the um, uh, Pistons, I believe it was, in another scene. So, like, you saw actual NBA players. You saw Larry Bird and Danny Ainge. And then Bill Murray at the end. So, like, little stuff like that. That's that's kind of why I lean. Like I said, I, would, I wouldn't say one is better or worse. They're two different movies. And I, I feel like it would be kind of lazy to compare them. Other than the name, they're not the same. Yeah. Like, they're, they're reference. Like, it, they're references, but it's not like... I feel like a better comparison to this movie would be Ralph Breaks the Internet. Like, that was... That's a better comparison. And I feel like it it does what Ralph Breaks the Internet was trying to do better. Um, Especially in this day and age, like if you're launching a streaming service with a whole bunch of IPs, it only makes sense to put those in there. It's basically like a free commercial. So I feel like that was well done as well. How he brought in like the Harry Potter and the um, Game of Thrones. like. I personally feel like I, those would have hit a little bit harder if I actually watched those shows. I can see how somebody who actually watched it would enjoy those more, but it doesn't take away not knowing it. Like the one with um, what's what's uh, Sam the the shooting dude, Max Pratt, uh, Mad Max, um, Yosemite Sam, uh. the one where he, where Daffy told him to shoot the ball him when he was in the little diner thing i didn't really get the the joke per se like i didn't get it as much as i got the austin powers reference Mm -hmm. but i 
I still got it. Like, you didn't have to know the movie to get the reference. That's what I'm saying. Like, it did a good job. I like that. that they included Warner Brothers into the movie. All of the Warner Brothers films and, you right. know, that world and stuff like that. It was... It was just much, much deeper than the first one because I guess we got a lot of years since the first one. It's right. a lot. It's a lot. Well, we got one more segment. We got the pick the ending segment. We're going to roll right on into it. Um, the, this week's question is, is Tom Brady more, is Tom Brady's Super Bowl this year more impressive because um, we found out he had a torn MCL? I say so... Because uh, that whole knee joint, if you injure one of those, that's one of the most painful injuries to play with. Like, granted, if it was the ACL, he probably wouldn't have been walking, but still, I mean, that's impressive to play with. And it kind of answers why he looked the way he looked in some of his games. So, I mean, I think so. I think so. How do y'all feel about this week's question? I think it's, uh, I don't think it, I don't think it makes the Super Bowl. I think the question is just more impressive. It, may, it does make the Super Bowl more impressive. I wasn't going to say it's his most impressive Super Bowl. It's not yeah. necessarily the Super Bowl. It could be the, just, the season. Yes, okay. So, yes, Tom Brady's season in general is more impressive to me now because I knew that not only did you go to a new team, not only did you go to a new office, not only you switched it up for the first time in 20 years and take that team to the Super Bowl and was the first team to play in your home stadium in the Super Bowl, you also went out there and played on that touring MCL the whole year. That's pretty badass to be at 42 years old as well. Um, it's just impressive. It just shows you that Tom Brady, uh, although to me not skill-wise the GOAT, just overall everything else, just the GOAT. Because you can't tell this man he's not going to do something and he's not going to be great. He's not going to go out there and do it. And he did it. So, nothing but respect to Tom Brady. That's a lot of... I gained a lot more um, cool points for that, though. Yeah. Um, I feel like it adds some some clout to what he's saying. Um, I'm glad it wasn't one of those things where he put it out at the beginning of the season um, and tried to play the sympathy card type thing. Um, I, I kind of remember hearing something kind of like at the end of the season, maybe like at the playoff run, but I don't remember hearing any specifics of him being hurt. I don't see. I didn't see him on like the practice squad or I mean on the um, injury roster or anything. So yes, I feel like it does add to his legacy. Um, it's kind of hard to be move up from the goat. So I don't know how you can move him up. Um, I don't know where it ranks among his best seasons. I would say it's up there. Um, I think it's, it's quite impressive. Um, not many stars or athletes can do that in any of the surrounding sports. So for you to do that in a contact sport, um, I think it's very impressive. Hey man. Well, that concludes another episode of your favorite podcast, not another sports podcast. Remember, I'm one of your hosts. Brandy, and make sure you follow me on all those social media sites at Rob was there. Yeah, and I'm Kevin. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Vice City Kevo. 
Be on the lookout for a new collab tape I have with my boy Key Don't Play called Everlasting. Mm-hmm. Dropping on all music streaming platforms on July 30th. Mm-hmm. And that's just the warm up. Hot Mumba 2 will be coming shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Be prepared for yes, my sir. first single with my boy right here, Will 05, and my other boy yes, Kid. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, on lock. Video, song, all that good stuff. Yes, sir. This is Jordan. You can follow me on Twitter at this underscore guy 11. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore this guy 11. You can follow all the sports pages on Facebook and Instagram at. Um, not another sports podcast and on Twitter at N underscore A under N underscore A underscore S underscore podcast. Um, you can also follow this. Um, you can also subscribe on all audio platforms by searching not another sports podcast. The one and only. Yes, sir. Don't let nobody Black and red logo. Don't let, nothing else. Don't let nobody fool you into thinking anything. And with that being said, y'all, y'all make sure y'all be out here being safe, washing your hands, Black Lives Matter, and the Gators. Roll time.